Well, you glad to be here today? I am. I am glad to be here. I've got another testimony from 2020 to read today. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to just jump right into that today and, and, and read this testimony. If you have a testimony about the year 2020, um, something that happened, email it to our email address and we'd love to read it. This is from El Fago and Aaron Franco. And um, this is a great testimony. This is awesome. Our 2020 starts with a decision we made in 2019. In November 2019, we decided to try for another child, for another baby. In January 2020, we found out we were expecting our fourth baby. This pregnancy was a huge leap of faith for us. The enemy attacked and tried to incite fear throughout the pregnancy. At the first ultrasound, there appeared to be a tumor on Aaron's ovary. The pregnancy was labeled high risk, and DNA testing was strongly encouraged. However, we knew our baby would be healthy, and we refused the tests. In March, a follow-up sonogram revealed there was no tumor. Someone shout amen to that. Um, When you have tests done and you have a doctor's report and they give you advice to do something, you have to pray about what you do. They prayed about what they did. They didn't do what was asked in that situation right there. They stood on the Word of God and it produced for them. Amen? That doesn't mean that always in a situation that when you get a report and you, you get, you know, advice from a doctor of what the procedure is be, that doesn't mean you always don't do what they say. That means you pray and you ask God because he's the higher authority. Now, a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. A lot of people wouldn't agree. But I would not tell people not to do what doctors say unless... God tells you something different, unless you know in your heart that you're not supposed to do something that they said. And there's been a number of times in our lives when I always like a diagnosis. I want to know what I'm dealing with. I want to know what I'm up against. And as we pray in the Spirit, the Bible says you pray in the Spirit, and then you hear the voice of the Spirit. And when we hear the voice of the Spirit and we do what He says, it will produce. That's what they did in this situation, and it produced. Um, In March, another doctor delivered the news that Aaron's body would attack itself six to eight weeks after the delivery. As the pregnancy continued, Aaron's body came under attack. Aaron began questioning the choice to step out in faith and have a baby they believed God would enable them to care for. Nonetheless, daily routines were continued and the word was spoken consistently. Everybody say daily routines. You know, it's not just I'm not going to do something else. It's because I've done my daily routines. It's because the revelation of the Word has come to me that God would speak to me to do something specific in that way. And, you know, know, as I'm telling you that, as I say what I'm saying in regards to this testimony, you know, the enemy will always come after you. God spoke to them in 2019 in November of 19 about having another child, and then the attacks came to her mind that she had made the wrong decision. Was this the right decision? That just means that you're doing something right. 
In most cases, it just means that we're doing something right because the enemy, so you always go back to the word, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that's been sown in your heart. He comes immediately to try to convince you that what God said is not right. Amen? September 29th, 2020, we were blessed with our fourth healthy baby boy. Eight weeks later, Aaron went went under some testing only to reveal that medical experts were wrong about her body attacking itself. All the struggles during the pregnancy were connected to damage sustained by prior attacks and the pregnancy itself. All tests came back that there had been no attacks since June 2019, and Aaron's body isn't even inflamed. In 2020, we learned to stay consistent with the Word and our daily confessions, even when circumstances lead us to doubt. God's Word does not return void. Can you shout amen to that? Amen? Come on, give God praise for that. That's a great report. And we stand and continue to stand firm. Every time that I get a report or I hear a report like this from somebody, that makes me want to pray for them more. That makes me want to pray for them more. So even as I read this earlier today, this testimony earlier this morning, as I read that, it just increases my awareness of what to speak over their lives. Amen? In the name of Jesus. Because, listen, the devil doesn't just lay back every time you get a good testimony. Oh, well, they defeated me, so I'm defeated. No, no, no. He sees himself, you know, his, his mission in life is to disrupt our faith. The devil doesn't matter whether people, he, he doesn't care whether people go to heaven or hell. That's no difference. He just wants people living in unbelief and living on earth like they're in hell. No manifestations, no results, no testimonies, disrupting our faith constantly. That's what he's after. And I say, we give him no place. How about you? Amen? That's what the Bible tells us to do. Glory to God. Well, this morning, um, I've got a one message. It's it's on prayer. We came out of our series on prayer. And uh, starting next week, I have three messages or my Easter message, two Sundays leading up to Easter and then Easter Sunday. And, uh, but today, I want to look at the prayers of Jesus leading up to the horrific day and the 18 hours or so that he went through the torture and the torment for all of mankind. And there were prayers involved leading up to that day and to that time period. And I want to just spend a little time looking at those prayers, and I want to start in John 17. So here we see a picture of what Jesus did leading up to the most difficult time in his or anyone else's life ever. The most difficult time that a physical human being would encounter, this was his approach. This is what he did. I believe that Jesus in this time truly became 100% aware, and we see it in his prayers, he became 100% aware of what he was up against, 
what he was fixing to step into. And, um, you know, a lot of times, <clears throat> a lot of times people, when they're going through difficult times, you know, Jesus' life is a perfect example and a picture of how we need to, to address life. And many times people, when they're going through difficult times, all they think about is themselves. All they think about is what they're going through. Jesus was going through something not because he made mistakes in life. He made none. He was going through things because of our mistakes before we even made them. I'll say it again. He was going through things and areas. He, he was going through this torment and beginning to get the picture of what this was going to look like, and he chose to do it. He chose to do this. But I, I believe there's a really clear plan of what he did here. Jesus prayed in John 17 for three groups of people. First and foremost, he prayed for himself. Secondly, he prayed for his disciples and their families. And third, he prayed for all people, all the rest of the people. All people. Sound like a plan that we've taught around here? Isn't it interesting that Jesus first and foremost prayed for himself so that he would be in a position and be prepared and ready to handle what he was going to go through. And so, I just want you to listen to the words. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. <clears throat> Verse 1 of John 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his voice to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour is come. He knew what was, he was up against. Your glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. He's talking about himself. As you have given him, Jesus, Jesus is praying this, as you've given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, everybody say now. Now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before the foundation of the world, he already had the plan for what was fixing to take place. I'll say it again. Before the foundation of the, word, the world, when... Jesus the Son was the living Word. You've heard me say this before. It was like before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve, Father, Son, Father, Word, and Holy Spirit had a board meeting. They got it all together. You know what they talked about? You're in my destinies, our plans, what he would, he would put us on this earth for. Before the foundation of the world, He already had a plan for your life. And you know what that included? That included the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, and that Word becoming His Son that He gave for the good of humanity, 
and that son making the choice that he was fixing to make. How Jesus saw that as a human being, I don't know, but he did because he just said he did. He began to understand what was fixing to take place. That was him praying over himself. The next verse starts him praying for his disciples. I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me. They have kept your word. 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 Did we just read that in the testimonial? They chose to keep the word. They chose the daily routines. Jesus had about a little over three years with them, and now it's come to the end. And he's telling the Father, Lord, they've kept your word. Did they do it all perfect? Absolutely not. They just kept the word. What did that mean? They just kept going. That means they just kept going and they didn't quit. And in a few hours, in a few hours, they're going to all deny him. They're going to all turn their back on him. But then they came back around. They kept the word. What caused them to come back around? They kept the word. They continued to keep the word. He said, these men have kept the word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me. Remember Jesus said, I only speak the things I hear from my Father. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. He's praying for these disciples. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. I can tell you, in my own life, there was a time, a period of my daily confession and my daily prayers where I pray for you. I pray for you, not for the world and for other things, but I pray for you. I pray for everybody that's connected to gates of the city. I pray for you. You have to be prayed for. Today and even tomorrow morning, I will pray that the word that I'm preaching today will go deep in your heart. That you'll realize how real that this is and how real what he did is for your life. That's what Jesus did. He said, and, then, and all I'm saying is, he's telling us to model that. Just model this. He prayed for himself. I'm telling you, you don't pray for yourself, you're no good in your prayers. First of all, pray for yourself. Well, that sounds kind of selfish. Huh? That's what he did. Why would I do anything, why would I want to change the routine? Well, Jesus did that, but I think I figured a better way. No, there's no better way. What is a better way than his way? Amen? It's what he said. I pray for them, he said. 
I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one, that they may be one as we are one, that they may be one as we are one, that they may be one as we are one. The only way you can be one with other people, with, other, with another group of people, like a, a congregation of people, like a church body, the only way you can be one is that you're connected to Him. Because he never looks at our past. He's never looking at our, our present mistakes. He's always looking to the way he created you, and it's to overcome anything you face. And he said here that we have to see that we are one with each other the way he and the Father are one. And when I know that and I see that connection, then I can see this connection. And nothing can stop me. Do you know that you know the division and the strife that is in the church? In the church world? It's horrific. The division and strife in the church world is horrific. We're to be one. Listen, you can have differences and still be one. You're going to have differences, but we can have differences and still be one. We can arise above things and walk in the love of God and walk in truth and not be stolen from, because the enemy's after robbing us from what he created us to be. He created us to be one, and he wants you to fight for that oneness. But that oneness will only come in that relationship with him and learning how to pray the way he prayed. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. See, he already knew this was fixing to happen. This is before Judas gave him away, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that you may have, that you may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Everybody say, that's a great one. Amen? That's a great prayer. Thank you, Father, that you keep me from the evil one. The devil has no authority over my life. Amen? And, and we're here to enforce that. How many believe it? Huh? How many believe that? We're here to enforce the fact that the enemy has no place in our life. Not to take them out of the world. You know, sometimes we, you know, well, you know, I just going to stay away. I'm just going to just kind of be a hermit and stay at home all the time. No, no, no. Then, then, then where, where, where will your light shine? 
You have no opportunity to allow the light of gospel of Jesus Christ to shine into other people. So in the midst of the things that we face, God wants us to be out there, but he's declared, Jesus said, I pray, Father, that the enemy, the enemy, not get the best of them. And he's not. Can you say amen? If you don't quit in God's word, the enemy will not get, your, get the best of you. They are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And then in the last part here, he prays for all of us. I do not pray for these alone, Father, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Ha! Everybody say, that's me. Amen? He didn't leave us out. Amen? He included us with all the rest. Can you say amen? He included us with all the rest. I'll read that again. I do not pray for these alone, like his disciples, but also for those who will believe, who will believe, who will believe in me through their word. How many believe in him today? Amen? We believe in him through their word. That they all may be one. We all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That you also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow. He loves us just like he loves Jesus. Do you see that? I want to read that again. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That's not what I read. He said, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. That they may be made perfect in one. I want you to think about it for a moment. You see the time that Jesus is spending here on being unified? You see the time that he is spending on us being one? But how are we one? around his word. It's not just overlooking people's faults and those kind of things. It's, it's centered around his word. That's how we become one. He said that they may be made perfect in one. The perfection that he was begins to be manifested in our midst when we become one. Because not one of us are him, but all of us together make up who he was. Not him, the deity, but who he was on the earth. He said, the works that I did, you'll do in even greater works because I've gone to the Father. But what it takes is us becoming one around his work. Mm. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Man, just knowing God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's what he said right there. These are the prayers before 
all of this took place. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you, and these have known you, these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Man, God so loved the world that he gave the best of heaven to liberate you and I. That same love is what's on the inside of us to help see other people liberated and free. When we become one and we demonstrate the love of God, we save the world. How? One person at a time. One person at a time. We save the whole world. Can you say amen? Amen. So in Mark chapter 14, and in a moment I'm going to start with verse 32. Before verse 32 in the Bible, you can go and look. It all began to start, and it all started with a plot between all the Jewish leaders at Caiaphas' house. And that plot was to take Jesus out. He was messing things up for their religious sect. The next thing that happened, there was an anointing at Bethany, the woman with the alabaster bottle who was preparing for his death. Third thing that happened was Judas agrees to betray him. We see all this taking place in this short period of time. Next, we see Jesus, the head of the church, having Passover with his disciples. And as a result of that, that's where the Lord's Supper began. What we, decl- what we call communion that we do here in the church body once a month, that communion of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it began right there before his death and burial and his resurrection, before it. The next thing that happened is that Jesus predicts Peter's denial. And Peter fought. He fought about it. Oh, man, they all denied. I'll go to the death. He said, before morning, you'll deny me three times. Before morning, you will deny me three times. When When the going gets tough, there's times that we fall, we falter, or whatever, but did Peter get back up? I imagine. But he predicted his denial. And then, starting in verse 32, we see the prayers of Jesus in the garden. A month and a year ago, this body here, number of you, we were supposed to be in Israel. A month and a year ago. February of 2020. We were supposed to be in Israel. And because of COVID, um, it didn't happen. And things were shut down, and uh, international travel was shut down, and it's been shut down, and it's still shut down, and our trip is on hold. And if you've signed up for that and you're ready to go, we'll be ready to go. But when they tell us we can make, when, when we can make international flights, 
without there being the possibilities of you having issues or whatever, getting across or coming back over. When, when we're confident of that, and, and our guide who owns the, the company in Israel, he's very good at that, and he's done it for years, and he's not going to let us uh, make reservations and, and set our dates until he knows for sure we can get tra- the, the travel arrangements made. But we are going to Israel. Someone shout amen to that. But in 2017, I was in Israel, and I stood and did a little videotape of myself in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I want to show you that. I'm here in Jerusalem, Israel, and I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane, and here's an olive tree, and as you look around, you can see all the different olive trees that goes down into a certain area, and here was the place, and well, and behind me also is the Eastern Gate, that's Dome of the Rock, Wailing Walls on the other side of that. Beautiful place, just picturesque, but a lot of meaning here, a lot of spiritual meaning in this, in, in this whole area. But I want to say, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's something that has really struck me in the last few years that, I, that I'm thinking about today very strongly. And that is, when Jesus came here, he made the point. Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not, not my will, but yours be done. So he entered in here, and his will and the Father's were not the same. And what, ha- what he had to do is he had to make a choice to choose the Father's will. We do too, every day. There's times that we don't think like God. We don't ha- our attitudes or ideas need to be changed. And in this moment is when he made the choice that he was going to offer himself for all of humanity. And it was in this garden that he did it. And, and, and one of the things, there's three, three times he left some of his disciples at one point, he took Peter and John to another point and left them, and he went deeper to make that decision. And a lot of times we gotta leave everything and everybody behind to make that quality decision to really love and serve God. But this is where it started. I mean, I almost feel kind of a weep a weeping coming over me thinking about that the choice for all of humanity was made the choice for me to be free and empowered to live in planet earth successful and overcoming was made right here and he made it for me but he made it for you so i'm excited to be here can't wait to be home but this is a great place i wanted you to know these couple things People used to tell me, first time I went to Israel was in 2010, people used to tell me, when you go there, it'll change your life. And I thought, you know, some city and a piece of ground is not going to change my life. It changed my life. Literally. When you think of not the tree I was standing next to, but there's two trees in the middle of that, of the garden farther down. Where, where I was kind of at the top of there where we took that video, but we were down farther. And there's two trees that they know of that were there in Jesus' day. Two olive trees that they know of were there in that day <laughs> that he could have stood against or, or knelt under and prayed. And, and um, it, it's, it's life-changing. It's effective. But right there in that garden where I was is where... This prayer, these prayers, and what he did here 
in preparing himself again. There's, there's, an, there's a different account in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, but I'm going to read, just for the sake of time, I'm going to read Mark's. Uh, Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to, to be troubled and deeply distressed. He began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. What Jesus entered into in the garden was the prayer of intercession for all of humanity. I can't even imagine. Your mind can't even go there. He entered into intercession, and actually, the beginnings of the crucifixion begin to happen. One translation says, or one, one, area, uh, uh, one um, interpretation of, of the Scriptures reveals to us that he began to sweat drops of blood. He began to experience this sacrifice for all of humanity, but it happened through his connection with the Father. Everybody say this. It was the will of the Father for him to be crucified. Amen? It was the will of the Father for him to go through this so that you and I could be liberated and free. And the only way that he knew that is through prayer. And in his prayer time, I mean, he was, he was all God, but he was all man. And during that prayer time, he began to experience things that you and I experience. He began to experience what it was like to want to give up. He began to experience what it would be like to be frustrated because, I mean, can you imagine, God, why am I doing this for people I don't even know? I'm not saying that he said that, but our minds could go there. Why, why, why would I do something for the good of other people that I may not even like? And he entered into intercession and began to stand in the gap for you and I. And the drops of blood began. I don't care what you've ever gone through in life, you've never even come close to what he went through because whatever you've gone through, he already went through it. And that's what he began to experience in prayer. I'm relating that to you in my life today, that how that is so vitally important that we learn how to pray and how, and how to intercede. Intercession is a form of prayer. Remember during our prayer series, we talked about that true prayer is just connecting with God, you know, having a relationship with God and connecting with Him. One of those forms of prayer is, is being able to pray in the Spirit, as Jesus was, being able to pray in the Spirit. He said, pray in the Spirit and then pray with the understanding. Know what it is 
that God wants you to know about what you're praying about. And that's what began to be revealed to him, and that's what began to be to him overwhelming. Lord, if there's another way to do this, let's do it yet. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' will and the Father's will were not the same when he entered into that place of intercession, when he began to sense the overwhelming responsibility that was on his life for all of humanity. But he quickly made a choice to choose the Father's will and not his. Now, let me ask you this. In what we've just talked about and what we've just read, where did you hear preparation for that? I heard preparation for that in his prayers to the Father in John 17. When he was praying for himself, he was praying about the, the will of the Father and the will of the Father being accomplished. And that the will of the, he, his will and the Father's will be one. That they be one. He, he prayed that over himself first a number of times. He prayed that over his disciples. And then he prayed that over all of humanity. That we would be one as he and the Father are one. He kept talking about he and the Father being one. Now what he wants out of you and I is you and I to be one with the Father through him. Right? Our prayers... He, he taught us how to pray, and our prayers are to the Father in the name of Jesus. We pray to the Father. He said, let your requests be made known to God, God the Father. Let your requests be made known to God. How? With a heart of thanksgiving, thanking God for the living Word, Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, I have the right to everything that He says is so. We're to pray, believing that my will and his will are one. That I don't do what I want, that I do what he wants. And I, I just can tell you today, that's an everyday situation. You're faced with that every day of your life. Every single day of your life, you're, you're faced with things that arise in your life that are not the will of the Father, that you're going to do it anyway because, I, bless God, I want to do it. And you and I have to get over those kind of things. We have to learn how to do the will of the Father in every situation that we face. <clears throat> it says, Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Everybody say, he wasn't. <laughs> Jesus did. Peter, was, Peter didn't. Jesus prayed, prepared himself, was ready for what was coming. It was hard. It was difficult. It seemed like he wanted to maybe do something else, but in the end, because he kept his daily routines because he stayed connected to the Father. He was empowered to make the right choice. Peter wasn't. Why? Because he didn't pray. He said the Spirit's willing, 
Actually, he said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and he prayed and he spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. Okay, I'll do it better. No, 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 no. This is the time. You don't need to be sleeping. You can sleep other times. Right now you need to be praying. Right now you need to be connecting with the Father. Right now you need to be being built up. Right now you need to be spending time allowing the Word to empower you. I mean, someone says, well, you mean if he would have prayed for an hour, maybe he wouldn't have denied Jesus three times? Sound familiar? Well, you know, Pastor, I mean, you know, just because I do this, that, that doesn't mean that's going to work. Well, you'll never know. You'll never know because you're not going to do it. You're choosing to choose the other direction. Jesus chose the direction to stay connected with the Father. Peter chose to go to sleep. Anybody ever gone to sleep when it was time to pray? I got both hands up. Sleepy, tired, whatever, you know, yeah. But we keep pressing in. We keep not quitting. Can you say amen? Amen. Then he came a third time, three times, and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! (laughs) I can imagine that's what he probably sounded like. Enough! Right, this is ridiculous. The hour has come, behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed Into the hands of sinners, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And they stepped into all that Judas did and all that Judas said and all that Judas was creating. But I just want to, just in the the last few minutes today, I want to focus on Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Because so much of the will of mankind has been made to appear that it's okay. Well, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm going to say it again. The will of mankind in our world, in our society, has been made to look like it's okay. I don't really need to pray. I don't really need to know what the will of God is about a specific situation. I don't really need to do all of that. God gave me a brain. God gave me common sense. And I don't really need to pray about every single thing. I've learned over the last few years of my life especially, I've I've known this from the beginning because I was taught this, but I've known this over the last few years of my life, how important it is to use as my example in life the life of Jesus and do what he did. 
He said, I only do those things that I hear and I see from my Father. Well, how do you get that? You get that through the Word, and you get that through prayer, connection with the Father, and learning how to pray, learning how to develop a daily routine and allow the words that you speak over yourself every day to become a prayer life, a connection life with God. Because I'm telling you, the will of mankind ends in destruction. The ways of man end in destruction. The Bible's very clear of that. The ways of God produce in you and I what He put us here to accomplish. Jesus was 33 years on this planet for one purpose to liberate all of mankind. He did everything that he, he was supposed to do. He never made mistakes. He stayed faithful to the Word. He never backed off. He came to the garden in the most intense time of any, that any human being has ever gone through in the history of the world. And he saw the option to go in a different direction, and he chose not to. He submitted to the will of the Father. And, he, and we don't just look at him as like, well, you know, he did all that, but I probably never will. He did that to empower us to be able to do that. I don't have to do my will. I can learn and understand what the will of God is if I just stay with him, with his word, and the voice of the Spirit. If I become a doer of the word, through what the Holy Spirit is revealing me to me, then I can live and operate in everything that Jesus operated in the earth. That's what he said. He, he, he came to be our living example of what we could follow after. Listen, when you leave this planet and you're face-to-face -face with God, that's one thing. The difference then is there's no resistance to your faith. What he's looking for is people when there's resistance to our faith, we'll trust Him and believe in Him and have faith in Him and desire to do His will and desire to learn what that is no matter what it takes. No matter what it takes. No matter how long it takes. No matter what you have to deal with or go through. You're going to go through it to get to the other side so that you can fulfill the, the will and the purpose and the plan of God in your life. These prayers that Jesus prayed before the garden and the prayers that he prayed in the garden were that you and I would be empowered to live a life fulfilling the will of God. We don't have to live just doing what we think is best. We can know what he says is best. Can you say amen to that?